hundreds of feet below the surface. Man has toiled for millennia to unearth the hidden treasures our planet has to offer. For thousands of years, people have stirred into the inky black abyss, ready for another day of horrendous heat and claustrophobia. Lowered down into the bowels of the earth, into a confusing labyrinth of tunnels and warrants, sometimes laden with riches, and sometimes laden with death. Whether it be precious metals like gold and silver, or mundane elements like tin and coal, humanity has delved below to harness the vast mineral deposits that have sometimes driven our species to greater heights. This often dangerous practice has built fortunes and extinguished many lives, and today it is the latter that will take centre stage. Hi everybody and welcome back to the Dark History Podcast, where we explore the darkest parts of human history. Hope everybody is well, I'm Rob, your host as always. Welcome to the new episode, The Tragedies Below the Surface. Yes, this really is a podcast episode about minds, but hopefully my dear listeners, you will see past this slightly beige topic and listen to the many tales of death and destruction that you've come to expect from this show and that this age-old human practice has given us over the centuries. So without further ado, please sit back and relax next to the fire for more Dark History. Coal is a sedimentary rock, primarily composed of carbon, along with various other elements such as hydrogen, sulphur, oxygen and nitrogen. It forms from the remains of plants that lived and died millions of years ago, accumulating in swamps and marshes. Over time, the organic material underwent decomposition and transformation. This rock single-handedly tossed the human race onto its back and pushed it into the new dawn that was the Industrial Revolution. This fossil fuel played a crucial role in powering steam engines, factories and electrical generators, which allowed man to make the world feel a little bit smaller. And it was coal that was the lifeblood of the idyllic Welsh village of Aberfan. It would be coal that would bring this picturesque village its and the UK's worst mining disaster. The Merthyr Vale Colliery was sunk on the 23rd of August 1869 by John Nixon and partners. At the time, Abavan consisted of two cottages and an inn frequented by local farmers and bargemen. By 1966, its population had grown to approximately 5,000, most of whom were employed by the coal industry. The first spoils from the coal mine were deposited on the valley's lower slopes east of the canal, but during the 1910s, the first tip was started on the western slope, above the canal line, and the village. By 1966, there were seven spoil heaps, comprising of approximately 2.6 million cubic yards, or 2 million cubic metres of waste. Tips 4 and 5 were conical mounds at the apex of the slope, although tip 4 was misshapen from an earlier slip. The remaining five were lower down, all were directly above the village. 
Tip 7 was the only one being used in 1966. About 111 feet high, it contained 297,000 cubic yards of spoil, which included 30,000 cubic yards of tailings, which are waste from chemical extraction of coal, and are fine particles of coal and ash which took on the properties similar to quicksand when wet. Tip 4 at Abavan, which had been used between 1933 and 1945, was large, and it had been started on boggy ground between two streams. At the time of its planning, the Merthyr Tidfell borough engineer thought that despite the position, it would be unlikely to avalanche. Following some grain movement in the tip in the early 1940s, a drainage canal was dug in early 1944. In November of that year, Part of the tip slipped 1,600 feet down the mountain to stop approximately 500 feet above the village. During the first three weeks of October of 1966, there were 6.5 inches of rainfall, nearly half of which had come in the third week. During the night of the 20th and the 21st of October, the peak of tip 7 subsided by 9 to 10 feet and the rails of which the spoils were transported to the top had tipped and fell into the resulting hole. The spoil movement was discovered at 7.30am by the first members of the morning shift manning the heap. One of the workers walked to the colliery to report the slip. He returned with the supervisor of the tip, and it was decided that no further work would be done that day, but that the new tipping position would be decided on the following week. At 9.15am, a significant amount of water-saturated debris broke away from Tip 7 and flowed downhill at 11 to 21 miles per hour in waves of 20 to 30 feet. Approximately 140,000 cubic yards of spoil slid 700 yards down the mountain, destroying two farm cottages and killing the occupants. Around 50,000 cubic yards travelled across the canal and railway embankment, and into the village. The flow destroyed two water mains buried in the embankment, and the additional water further saturated the spoil. Those who heard the avalanche said the sound reminded them of a low-flying jet or thunder. It's at this point that the disaster would turn into an utter tragedy. As the wall of debris tore through the village, it would clash full force onto the Pankglass Junior School on my road, demolishing and engulfing much of the structure, and filling the classrooms with thick mud, sludge and rubble. The village would see the deaths of 109 children from 240 attendees and five teachers. Unfortunately, the pupils of Pankglass Junior School had arrived only minutes earlier for the last day before half-term holidays, which were due to start at 12 midday. The teachers had just begun to record the children's attendance in the register when the landslide hit. After the landslide stopped, the local residents rushed to the school and began digging through the rubble, moving material by hand and with garden tools. The first casualties from the wreckage of the school arrived at St Tidville's Hospital in Murford Tidville at 9.50am. The remaining rescued casualties all arrived before 11am. 22 children, one of whom which was dead on arrival, and 5 adults. 
Further nine casualties were sent to East Glamorgan General Hospital. No survivors were found after 11am. Of the 144 people who had died in the disaster, 116 were children, mostly between the ages of 7 and 10. 109 of the children died inside Panclass Junior School. Five of the adults who died were teachers at the school, and an additional six adults and 29 children were injured. The disaster had a profound impact on the community and the nation as a whole, leading to widespread shock and grief. The tragedy prompted investigations into the causes of the disaster, revealing that the tip had been poorly managed and that warnings about its instability had been ignored. The disaster also led to the change in regulation and legislation regarding mining waste disposal to prevent similar incidents from occurring in the future. The Aberfan disaster remains a stark reminder of the potential consequences of neglecting safety measures and proper waste management. The Penzhou Colliery Mining Disaster, also known as the Honkiko Colliery Disaster, stands as one of the most tragic mining accidents in history. It occurred on April 26, 1942, in the coal mine near Benji, Liangying Province, China, during the Japanese occupation. The disaster was triggered by a massive coal dust explosion, followed by a series of coal dust and gas explosions, which ultimately resulted in widespread devastation. The explosion was so powerful that it caused a tremendous shockwave collapsing all the tunnels and trapping workers underground. The dust explosion in the mine sent flames bursting from the mine shaft entrance. Miners' relatives rushed to the site but were denied entry by a cordon of Japanese guards who had then erected an electric fence to keep them out. In an attempt to curtail the fire underground, the Japanese shut off the ventilation and sealed the pit head. Witnesses say the Japanese did not evacuate the pit fully before sealing it, trapping many Chinese workers underground to suffocate in the smoke. It took workers ten days to remove all the corpses and the rubble from the shaft. The dead were buried in a mass grave nearby. Many victims could not be properly identified due to the extent of the burns. The Japanese at first reported the death toll to be 34. And initial newspaper reports were short, as few as 40 words, and downplayed the scale of the disaster, characterising it as a minor event. Later, the Japanese erected a monument to the dead. This stone gave the number of dead at 1,327. But it's estimated that between 1,500 and 1,549 miners lost their lives in this catastrophic event. The Benju disaster exposed several issues contributed to the tragedy. The mine had substandard safety measures, inadequate ventilation and improper equipment, all of which increased the risk of explosion. The Japanese authorities, who were overseeing the mine during their occupation of China, were criticised for the neglect in ensuring proper safety standards. The Japanese continued to operate the mine until the end of World War II in 1945, when they were defeated and forced to withdraw from China. Following the Japanese withdrawal, the Chinese workers took control of the site. 
With the liberation after the war, the Soviet Union investigated the accident, and they found that only some of the workers had died directly from the gas and coal dust explosion. Most deaths were from carbon monoxide poisoning, produced when the Japanese closed the ventilation and sealed the pit head after the initial explosion. The Benjou Colliery Mining Disaster remains the world's worst mining disaster. The Courier Mining Disaster was one of the most devastating industrial accidents in history. It took place on March the 10th, 1906, in the town of Courier, in the Pas de Calais region of France. This tragic event serves as a stark reminder of the perilous conditions that miners faced during the late 19th and early 20th centuries. The disaster unfolded within the walls of the Courier coal mine, which was one of the largest and most important coal mines in Europe at the time. It was a complex labyrinth of tunnels and shafts that extended deep beneath the ground. The mine was operated by the Compagnie des Mines de Courier, and it employed thousands of miners who toiled tirelessly to extract coal from the earth. On the fateful day in 1906, disaster struck when a massive explosion erupted underground. The explosion believed to have been triggered by a combination of coal dust and methane gas, created a devastating shockwave that ripped through the tunnels. The force of the explosion caused roofs to collapse, tunnels to cave in, and fires to ignite. The entire mine was engulfed in chaos and destruction. Tragically, the initial explosion claimed the lives of over a thousand miners almost instantaneously. But the disaster's toll did not end there. In the days that followed, rescue efforts were hampered by poor communication, inadequate equipment and treacherous conditions. Despite the valiant effort of miners risking their lives to save their colleagues, the death toll continued to rise. The Courier mining disaster ultimately claimed the lives of approximately 1,099 miners making it one of the deadliest mining accidents in history, and the deadliest in Europe. The disaster sent shockwaves throughout France and the world, prompting discussions about mine safety, workers' rights, and the need for stricter regulations to prevent such tragedies from occurring again. The aftermath of the disaster led to important changes in mining regulations and safety practices, it highlighted the urgent need for improved ventilation, better communication systems, and enhanced emergency protocols in mines. The tragedy at Couriers served as a catalyst for improved labour conditions and safety measures in mines across Europe and beyond. As we reflect on the Couriers mining disaster, we remember that the lives lost and the sacrifices made of those who risked everything to save their fellow miner. The disaster stands as a sombre reminder of the human toll of industrial accidents and the ongoing importance of prioritising worker safety and well-being in all industries.
the Monongah mining disaster, an event etched deeply in the annals of American industrial history. Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories, a paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings, from haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. Unfolded on December the 6th, 1907, in the quaint town of Monongah, nestled in the rugged terrain of West Virginia, this catastrophe, a harrowing amalgamation of human tragedy and industrial negligence. On that fateful winter morning, the Fairmount Coal Company's number no. 6 and number no. 8 mines were bustling with activity as men of varying backgrounds and aspirations delved into the earth's belly in pursuit of the black gold that fueled the nation's burgeoning industry. Deep within the bowels of the earth, miners toiled amidst dust, darkness and the ever-present spectre of danger. Then, with a deafening roar, disaster struck. An explosion of unprecedented magnitude reverberated through the underground passages, the very foundation of the mine shook, and the violent shockwave ripped through the intricate network of tunnels, snuffing out life and hope in its path. The initial explosion, a deadly cocktail of methane gas and coal dust ignited by a spark of undetermined origin, laid the groundwork for an even more catastrophic coal dust explosion, a phenomenon known all too well to the mining communities of this time. In a matter of moments, the lives of hundreds of miners were irrevocably altered. Many met their end instantly, crushed or burned beyond recognition. Others, unfortunate survivors of the initial blast, were left grappling with the acrid fumes, collapsed tunnels, and the agonising realisation of impending peril. The underground labyrinth, once echoed with sounds of men and machines, had transformed into a catastrophic tomb. As the dust settled and the chaos subsided, the true magnitude of the disaster became painfully evident. An estimated 362 souls had perished, leaving behind shattered families and grief-stricken communities. Monongah was engulfed in mourning, the earth thick with grief, anger and a profound sense of loss. The aftermath of the Monongah disaster was as monumentous as the event itself. It served as a catalyst for change, forcing the nation to confront the grim realities of lax safety regulations and unchecked corporate practices. The tragedy spurred the creation of the United States Bureau of Mines, an institute tasked with improving safety standards, conducting research and disseminating knowledge to prevent such calamities from reoccurring. The Monongah Mining Disaster is still, to this day, the worst mining disaster in American history. Thank you everyone for taking the time out of your day to listen to this dark episode. 
I would like to think that I bring an eclectic mix of episodes to this podcast. And on the surface, no pun intended, the topic of mining could be deemed quite boring or mundane. And it was only because I was doing a little fact-finding mission that I stumbled across some of these stories. Myself, I'm always hunting for new and obscure stories for various projects, or just morose curiosity. So when I did eventually read some of these, I wanted to bring them to you. These stories are just the worst of the many mining disasters from all over the world. The vast majority of these tales come from developing countries around the turn of the 20th century, and you would be forgiven to think that they were the only cases. But as recently as 2014, there have been major mining disasters. In this case, the Somma disaster was a mine fire accident in a large coal mine in Somma, Manisa province, Turkey. This is the worst disaster in Turkish history. The fire broke out on May 13th, 2014 local time, with 301 people having been confirmed dead and 80 injured. Turkey's largest trade union called a strike after the accident, venting their anger and discontent with the government. Also, in 2008, a mine landfill in Limfen, Shanxi province, China, collapsed after heavy rain. The serious mudslide caused 277 deaths, 4 missing and 33 injured. At the time, 5,300 police and rescuers used more than 110 excavators to find survivors, and 2001 medical workers provided medical service at the scene. So, you can see that mining is still incredibly dangerous, even with all our safety measures and modern technology. Maybe because the topic is quite niche, it would explain why I have never heard of some of these stories. It would be a disservice to forget these tales. Anyway, please drop us a review on the show. It helps the podcast out. If you think friends and family may be interested in the podcast, then share it with them. Links to our socials are below. Don't forget, if you want to support the channel, the links to the show's Patreon are below also. I hope you will be able to support the show, but if not, that's completely fine. I am very excited to tell you about the new Patreon-only podcast as a little thank you to listeners who do support. These episodes will delve into what has happened in history in that week, if that makes sense. And we will cover battles, wars, assassinations, executions that this channel is known for, but also little tidbits of stories. The episodes will be no more than 5-10 to minutes long, and uploaded every week. The first episode will be up tomorrow, for the £2 and £5 tier patrons. Anyway, as always, if you've been listening for a while and not subscribed, please do it. In that way, you never miss an episode. So with all that out of the way, thank you again for listening. Join us next time for our next episode as we delve into another event and more dark history. <laughs>